0: man, that song is it. All I want is for God to be glorified in my life and for him to fill me up from the inside. And I think, unfortunately, we don't get that right very much, or I'll speak for myself. I, I don't get that right very much. Uh, my default would be to, uh, you know, to focus on the outside and um, Anyways, uh, for me, and I would imagine for you guys, um, has been a lot. If you've been a part of Mission Focus, it was like this massive download dump of amazing uh, content. I've been to uh, 10 Mission Focuses now, and uh, I can't think of one that was as impactful for me as this Mission Focus. And what I would like for us to do, what I want to do this morning is to spend some time um, just reflecting on what God has showed us, you know, and uh, I don't have any more content uh, information for you. You might be thankful for that. Uh, just if, if you were uh, at the, the, the sessions this week, um, we're just going to go over what we've already talked about and what I'm hoping for, and I want to set the stage for you guys, is to, to, um, to prepare your heart to be honest with yourself about what God, God's Word has said to you this week. Right? Does everybody have a, a handout uh, uh, that uh, was at the front? I know we kind of ran low. You know, raise your hand if you don't have one. Uh, Kenny's got some for you. Jeff's over here too. So, as I said, we just want to take some time to slow down, uh, to get alone Uh, with you and the Lord, and to to really consider and ask ourselves some important questions so that as we begin this new year, uh, we do it in light of what God is showing us. And I don't know about y'all, but for me, it's easy for me to say amen and to take a ton of notes and to never really go back to those notes or to consider what God was saying. So I really want that to be how we spend our morning. You guys with me? All right. So, uh, how we will do this is uh, I'm going to go through the evening sessions, the, the, the preaching that we had in the evenings from Joe McKegg, and then uh, Pastor Chris Best, and then we heard from Brian Clark on Friday night. And uh, just to say, there are a lot of other messages. If you uh, didn't get to hear the morning sessions, they're absolutely amazing. Uh, the three morning sessions we heard from uh, James Fife, we heard from... Um, uh, uh, Brian Clark again, and then Sam spoke on Saturday morning. So uh, please uh, do yourself a favor. You can go to mbtkc.org or LF Fellowship, and all of those are recorded as well as the breakout sessions after that. So um, I would encourage you to, to spend some time in the next coming weeks just digesting some of that just so that um, not only uh, you can get what God has for you, but also for, for us, right? For for life fellowship so that we can be on the same wavelength. Cool? So what we'll do is we'll go through these evening sessions, and what I'll, what I'll have for us is a few questions that are on your, on your handout, and um, between each um, a, a session that I go over, we're going to take just a few moments to consider uh, what God is teaching us and to ask some, some questions that could give us some trajectory for where we're going to be going in 2021. So first we had Wednesday evening, Joe mckeg and, and if you were with us here, we all met in this room, and that was a, a sweet time. Uh, it's always interesting uh, worshiping with a group of people on a screen. Was anyone here for that? That was amazing. I know, I heard I heard you, bro. You were you, you were belting out. You were setting the, the mood for all of us. Yeah, it was awesome. So um, it was a good time we had here. Uh, Joe... Uh, the head pastor of Decatur Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia, shared with us from 2 Samuel. And I want you guys to turn, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel 23, 11. Uh, but he gave us this message regarding the mighty, mighty men of God. So 2 Timothy 23, verse 11. Samuel. Yeah, it's, it's my notes say Samuel too, so... There are not 23 chapters in Timothy, just so you know. What we find in 2 Samuel 23 is the last words of King David in his life here on earth. So we see him making mention of these ordinary men who left behind the God of this world to join with him to do a mighty work for the Lord. And so we see... David here sharing about uh, these men. And Joe dug into the second in 2 Samuel chapter 23 looking at one particular individual in Dave, David's army and his name was Shammah. And we want to go through that together. I'm going to read it for you. It says in 2 Samuel 23 verse 11, And after him was Shammah the son of Aege the Hararite, And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop were, uh, where was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines. Verse twelve, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a victory, a great victory. So this man defended a bean field, and this is what Joe was telling us to back uh and he refused to back down, and the Lord brought a great victory. And what Joe shared with us was that God has called us to a field as well. Okay? And every field that God gives us is worth defending. And when we, like Shama, defend the field God has called to us, we also can have a great victory. So, Joe gave us some practical applications. If we want to be mighty men and women of God, number one, we have to understand our field. So, God has placed you in a field your home, your neighborhood, your family, your work. Even God has placed you today here in Life Fellowship in this ministry. And because of this, you have a unique position and an influence over that field that no one else can have. And a lot of times, you know, we don't think much of our field. This is just a bean field, right? Uh, This is just my neighborhood. This is just, you know, my family. Uh, This is just my job. Um, One thing that Joe... uh, Pointed out that I thought was I'd never thought of this. In John chapter four, we see the woman at the well, right? And we see Jesus, uh, you know, interacting with this woman at the well. And during this conversation, his disciples come back, right, from from the city, and they were just getting some food. And he he pointed out something that I thought was really incredible. Uh, when the woman received salvation, she went into the city and she came back with people, right? Because she shared her testimony. These people knew her. They knew who she was, how she lived, and she came back with people who had heard their testimony. You've got to hear about Jesus. And he pointed out that the disciples didn't bring anybody back. And I thought that was really powerful when we think about our field. See, nobody knew who the disciples were, and so they didn't have this unique impact like this woman did. They knew her, and they saw that her life was transformed. And this is true for us in our field as well, Right? I, I can't go into to Mark's his, his job and, and have the impact that he's going to have or go into your neighborhood the way that you can. These people know you. They see how you live. The question that we want to ask ourselves this morning is, what are the fields that God has placed in your life? Okay, and just a side note, if there are any errors on the handout, uh, that's because I'm severely dyslexic and my wife didn't get to proofread it. So just to say, you can correct them. You can email me and let me know. Uh, I'm working I'm working on that, right? That's, that's a lifelong uh, goal of being an English major. So there's probably like 50 errors, just so, so you know. But we want to know our field, right? So I want you just to take some time at, at the end uh, here. I'll, I'll prompt you guys to do this, but um, to just take an account, an assessment of what fields am I in? Where does God have me? Big or small fields, it could be a bean field, it could be any kind of field. Where does God have me? Okay. Second, you have to stand. If we want to be mighty men and women of God, you have to stand when no one else is standing. So a mighty man of God stays and he fights. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the word of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we know that we can stand and fight because we have God's promises that work and they're not in vain. Your bean field could feel ordinary. Because of this, you might lose sight of the fight. And we don't want to lose sight of the fight. In your life... What gets in the way of you staying in the fight? What are the distractions, the things that preoccupy you from staying in the fight in the field that God has placed you? Number three, to be a mighty man and a woman of God, you have to defend the field. Proverbs 24, 30 says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding and lo." It was all grown over with thorns, with thorns and nettles, had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. So we don't have, to, we don't have time to sleep. We don't have time to slumber, to fold our hands. When we are slothful, our field will grow over. And the judgment seat of Christ, when we stand before the Lord, we will too be uh, lacking. We'll, we will be poor. And man, I, when, when I really considered that, you know, uh, when we're sitting in this room and when Joe was sharing that, the question that came to me was, am I all in? Like, am I all in? Have I have I bought the field? Like, have I actually purchased the field that God has put me in? Am I all in? So the question is, are you all in on defending the field, the fields God has placed in your life? Number four, if we want to be mighty men and women of God, we have to defeat the enemy. Our passage here in 2 Samuel tells us that Shama stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and he slew the Philistines. He defeated the em- enemies. We too have to defeat our enemies, and we have three very real enemies. The world, our flesh, and we have a real spiritual enemy, the devil. He is after us, and if we want to be about what God's doing, we first have to defeat our enemies. And they will keep us, if we don't, they'll keep us from being able to do what God's called us to do. And Matthew 13, 25 says, but but while men slept his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So if you don't take your enemy seriously, he will completely debilitate you from doing God's work. That's such a beautiful picture. If you think about that, you know we have all kinds of, if you drive out, if you, go, if you, if you were to make your way to, to Kenny's house, you would pass a lot of cornfields probably. You know, and you see these miles and miles of cornfields, right? And, I'm giving them a hard time because they, it, you know, there's no cornfields, right? Is there any cornfields? There's cornfields, okay. <laughs> so you, you see all these cornfields, but you, can you imagine like the, just how, how much havoc it would reap if we just went in and we started throwing all kinds of seed? They're having to pull out all of the stuff and it debilitates them from doing the work, from reaping the harvest. This is true for us spiritually as well. So the question is, what are the specific areas in my life that are keeping me from being a mighty man of God. What is the tares amongst my wheat? And number five, finally, understand where the power comes from. In order for us to be mighty men and women of God, we have to understand where the power comes from. I have to recognize that I am weak, and Joe said this, and it really stuck with me. He said, you can never be too weak for God, uh, for God to use you, but you can be too strong. Man, if we want God to be able to use us, you have to understand that we don't have any power. And in fact, the power that we do have only gets in the way of God moving. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Man, he chooses us. God wants to use us. He has an incredible plan for our life. And and what's important about that plan is that he wants to take our ordinary life and make it extraordinary. And what's incredible about that is that a lot of times it just looks like a bean field. It just looks like me going out and getting the mail and seeing my neighbor or the interactions that I have with my family over Christmas dinner or how I show up for life fellowship in the ministry that God's called me to in this local body. So the question we have is what, uh, what areas of your life do you need to recognize your, where you are weak so God can be strong? So okay, I, wanna, I want to take a few minutes, and I really want you to consider these questions, and this is how I want you to approach it. I want you to read the question. I want you to look past the the errors that are in the text that I wrote, and I want you to to pray, just to ask God, God, what is true about what's on the inside of me when I read this question? And I want you to take a moment to, to, to write these down, and then we'll go on to the next one.
1: Christ, our Lord, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, I thank God through Jesus Christ.
0: Father, we um, we just ask, Lord, that just as we take this time, God, that you would join us in this space, God. We, we, we're desperate to not let your words fall to the ground, so we just ask, Father, that as we consider the field that you've placed us in, Lord, that um, that we would see the things that could keep us from fighting for it and uh, being in it and, and, and getting rid of what gets in the way of that. And, and Lord, that, so that you would receive glory, and that we would lean into your power in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so on Thursday, we heard from our very own, we heard from uh, Pastor Chris Best. And uh, Chris shared with us his message And he titled it, Separated at Birth. So here he discussed the picture we have as believers and what the Bible describes as the Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter 6. So God provided a way for men and women to vow a vow to God to separate themselves out to the Lord for consecration. And so Chris was going through what that looks like and he also shared with us uh, the the uh, Nazarites who lived their life, there are three main uh, Nazarites who were perpetual Nazarites. And we'll go over that as well. So God provided this way, and this separation has to be a separation unto something. This isn't just to separate to separate. He was going through that. In order to be separated, you have to actually be separated unto something. Meaning we have to be separated from anything that the world has to offer in order to be close to Christ, right? And so he was sharing what this meant for the Nazarites in this dispensation. The Nazarite vow was in the law and had three requirements. First, they couldn't have any wine, no wine or anything from the grapevine, right? So they couldn't have any wine or grape juice or anything from the grape plant. And this picture isn't to be legalistic, but it's to give us a picture. Wine is a, a picture of the good life, and it's to separate us from anything that the world has to offer us to tend to our needs. Secondly, it was that they couldn't cut their hair. This is a sign of consecration. So when they would vow this vow for 30 to 100 days, depending on how long the vow was, they wouldn't cut their hair. And the final thing was that they couldn't be around the dead. Okay, so they weren't allowed to be around dead bodies. And this was also... Uh, that they couldn't bury their, their parents or their family, or they couldn't be around any of that, right? So this was to avo- avoid defilement. And then he covered the three individuals in Scripture that were the perpetual Nazarites, meaning that they were called to be a Nazarite. They, they vowed the Nazarite vow from birth. Okay, in Scriptures we see Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist, and they were all separated out for God's plan at, from birth. And what we found as, as Chris was sharing this message with us is there's a fourth individual, there's a fourth people that were separated out that were perpetual Nazarites, and that is the New Testament believer. That is the individual who's sitting in this room who has received Christ. And we too are called to say no to what the wine pictures. And so he shared this with us, to say no to the good life. And all of what the, the world has to offer us, in Romans 12. Verse one it says, "Beseech you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what's reasonable for us is to be a living sacrifice in contrast to becoming like the world. So the first question that we want to ask ourselves in light of this message is, what, in what areas of my life am I looking for the world to satisfy me? What, what areas of my life, where am I going to the world where I am wanting it to satisfy me instead of going to the Lord. We too, number two, are called to say no to what the haircut pictures, right? So they weren't allowed to cut their hair. This vow is to to not cut uh, your hair and it pictures to not put limits on God's power. So I know a lot of you guys, I, I got my hair cut, right? But for a while, I could see you guys looking at me. You were like, this guy's unkempt. I could see, but really, I was, I didn't want to cut, you know, I didn't want to limit the power of God in my life, right? And I did that for a long time. Most of my life, I've, I didn't want to limit the power of God in my life. Um, I've, I've looked a lot like John the Baptist in my days. I was talking to these guys. You know, I didn't eat bugs. At, we were talking, Oh, it was really cool. Our, our stories kind of, over, our, our paths have overlapped in the past. Um, but I, I definitely look like John the Baptist um, uh, in those days that we were talking about. But when we, when we cut, when they cut the hair, it was limiting the power, right? The New Testament believer is to challenge our fear of men so we do not cut short the power of God in our lives. So the question we're asking is where are you cutting short the, pow- the work of God in your life through com- uh, conforming to what culture accepts? Expects or accepts? So we want to ask ourselves that question. And finally, we are too called to say no to avoiding the dead, what this pictures. And this is to picture that we are set apart to say no to our natural affections. So often this can look like being preoccupied with good things. You know, we, we have our, our family that, that consumes our lives or maybe our hobbies or... Um, uh, choices that we 're making and and so the question that we 're wanting to ask is what what good things in our life is robbing us from the best things so that God can use us what relationships hobbies habits choices are holding you back from God having his way in your life so we're going to take another uh, season just reflection and again I want you just to take these moments to to read the question and pray and ask God what God, what is on the inside of me as it relates to this question? And how can I be honest with you about what you're calling me to do in my life? As well, I, I want you to, to consider if there's a question that maybe you answer and, and God's really speaking to you, maybe you could consider uh, sharing it at the end of our time. So we'll have a, potentially some time at the end. And so maybe put a star next to uh, something that God's showing you. All right, guys
2: times that I stray Many times that I doubt I want
0: Father, we desire to be uh, set apart, and Lord, I know there's just there's so many things that keep us from being set apart, and uh, God, we just ask that you would, in your grace, Father, would you direct us in the way that you would have us to go. In your son's name, amen. Okay, so Friday night, who was able to to be uh, there Friday night at Midtown? I know there were other uh, things going on at the other fellowships, yeah, Friday night. Okay, so we heard uh, an awesome message from uh, our, our pastor and missionary to London, Brian Clark. He shared with us... Um, A message he titled, Caught Red-Handed, and he was sharing from Esther chapter 7. And what we see in the story of Esther is a battle between two men. Uh, Brian described these men as the mighty Mordecai versus the horrible Haman. And Brian jumped to the climax of the story, where Esther confronts horrible Haman before the king. And we don't have time, as he didn't, to, to go through the whole story, but uh, what, what we did identify is just like there are two men in the story, there are also two men inside of us, the old man of the flesh and the new man in the spirit, and we, like Esther, are caught in the middle before the king. So Haman pictures the flesh, and, while, uh, and Mordecai, he pictures the spirit. And Brian, he zoomed in on the climactic moment of Esther confronting Haman to teach us how to wage the war between our flesh and the spirit. And so the spirit-filled life is always under threat. And what he was talking about, there's this constant attack on our spiritual life. So often our flesh is ruling over our lives as our spirit is grieving. And this is what we see in the story of Esther is that there's this Horrible Haman who pictures the flesh who is ruling over Mordecai, ruling over Esther. And this is what's happening, this spiritual picture that's happening in our life. Brian's message drilled into how we can overcome and conquer the flesh. And so in order to conquer your flesh, you have to be caught red-handed. And he talked about two different ways that this could happen. You can either be caught by surprise or you can turn yourself in. You could turn yourself in. There's a chain reaction that happens that is necessary for conquering our flesh. It starts with guilt. We have this guilt that builds up inside of us because of the incongruence, the fact that we serve a holy God and we aren't, right? So there's this guilt that comes from that. And then we receive God's grace which then produces something in us. It produces gratitude. It produces thankfulness, gratefulness. So this progression provides for us a litmus test. It provides for us a gauge in our life. If you don't have gratitude, if you don't have gratitude in your life, if you are not grateful, if you're not thankful, then you don't understand his grace. And what stands in the way of your understanding of his grace is the lack of guilt in your life. This is so... This shook me, okay? First, Esther confronts the problem. And so we also have to identify the source of our problem, which is our flesh. What's true is that our flesh is the villain in our story. It says in Romans 7.18, that in our flesh dwells no good thing. So the question that we want to ask ourselves this morning is, what area of your flesh is keeping you from God's grace and having gratitude? Second, Esther, she recognizes that she is complicit with the problem. And we also must acknowledge that we are complicit with our sin. What it all comes down to is that we love our sin more than we love God. You know, Brian was talking about how it's tasty, right? We, we love it. We're, we're always looking for it. We're fiending for it. We love our sin, and if we're honest with ourselves, we love our sin more than we love God. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what sin are you putting before your love for God? And third, Esther brought the problem before the king. And we also need to bring this issue before the Lord. We need to have a meeting. We need to have a sit-down meeting with you, your flesh, and the King. And just like Haman did in the story, and uh, if you if you read through uh, through Esther, you see that he starts pleading, right, with Esther for his life. And and that's the same thing that our flesh does. We hold on to it, and it holds on to us, and. It bargains with us. It, it talks about ways that we can uh, maybe stick around or it justifies the reason why it's there. But we can give no deals to the flesh, no defense to the flesh, and no denial for the flesh. This is crucial. And this is what I really want you guys to hold on to. It's only when we become guilty that we can actually understand and receive God's grace. So without His grace, we have to live in denial or we live in despair. Does this make sense? We either avoid thinking about our sin, which is in denial, or we are consumed by our sin in despair. So when we justify our sin, we never see the depths. We, we don't have any space or room in our life for us to receive God's grace. And therefore, we don't make it to a position of gratitude. Brian shared the parable of the two debtors in Luke 7 regarding the woman who came and washed his feet. You guys know this story. And there's a Pharisee sitting by and he's watching, right? He's seeing this whole thing play out and of course, you know, we see him judging Jesus and the woman and um, he's he's thinking that, you know, Jesus, if he's the prophet that he says he is, that he wouldn't let this happen. This sinful woman uh, washing his feet with her hair and her tears. I want to read this passage because it we need to receive it this morning. If you want to turn with me, uh, Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 40. It says in Luke chapter 7, verse 40, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee, and he saith master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed five hundred pence, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them we will love me most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he gave, uh, who he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house; thou gavest me no water for my feet. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. So guys, the reason we don't love him, the reason we don't love the Lord, the way that we should is because in our mind we don't realize how much we have been forgiven for. Our justification of our... So we have to consider this morning, what guilt are you hiding What are you covering up or denying that is keeping you from fully and completely receiving His grace? So we have these questions, and I just want to take another season for us to consider. And then afterwards, uh, I'll turn to you guys if you want. We can share some things that God has uh, showed us this week. Father, I'm uh, grateful, Lord, that we can we can have that meeting with you, Lord, that we can come before you and we can we can confront the flesh, Lord. We can say, God, this this thing, this this part of me is getting in the way of you having your way with me, Lord. And Lord, we, I pray that you would give us the courage to to turn ourselves in. And pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so we just have a few minutes left, uh, but, but I want to, to, to ask, yeah, from, from you guys, what uh, could be something that we covered this morning, maybe something you heard in one of the morning sessions. Uh, I'd love to hear if, if something, uh, maybe God gave you something this week that, that you're going to apply in your life um, moving forward. So the quote again from, from Jeff is? A call to mission is a call to preparation. Yeah. So this Jeff was saying, uh, you know, the, a call to mission um, is a call to preparation. He heard that this week and really took that to heart and, and uh, you know, decided to, to apply that to your life. And God revealed to you that uh, a lot of times you, you aren't prepared and, and because of that, what you're drawing from isn't those springs of life. It's, it's not from the Lord. It's something you're mustering up. I feel bad for you, man. I mean, it seems like... Dude, a lot of the buffets are closed down, so you, you don't have a lot of choices. Yeah, I hear you, man. Thanks, bro. Who else? That's good, man. So Rich is talking about um, James Feist's uh, message and also, uh, you're talking about um, uh, Brian Clark's message. Uh, James, uh, he talked about facing the giant, you know, and it's, what, a, what an incredible, like, you know, just thinking about uh, the fact that David, when he faced the giant, when he faced Goliath, this wasn't the first time he was fighting something, right? He had, he had fought bears and lions and he even made the joke you know he's like he's probably shooed away a few cats too right he didn't talk about those things but it's so awesome i love that about our the uh, the body of believers we're in it's like the fact that i'm standing right here talking in front of you guys is is a a testament to the to that Um, because um, god has allowed me to uh, to fight some dogs and some cats Um, and because of that this is a giant in my life I was jokingly mentioning that I'm dyslexic, but that's actually true. Like I've, I have a pretty low reading level. I don't know what it is, but the fact that God is allowing me to 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 be able to stand before you guys and to to read uh, is a testament to that, right? And I'm just grateful. And and then of course, um, you know, uh, Brian talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how they they stood before. King Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, we're not going to bow. We know that God will show up for us, but even if he doesn't, right, even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. And man, you guys need to go back and listen to these messages. You, if you want to hear a man's heart who spent two decades in ministry and how, he's, how he still stands before the Lord and says, God, what have I gotten myself into? And yet, even if you don't do what we thought you were going to do, you're still worthy of us bowing down, man. That those two messages hit home for me big time. Yeah. Who else? Anyone else want to share? Right. So just hearing from a, a man who you know, it was such a, a privilege to get to hear Brian share his heart on that. Um, but it did open our eyes to the reality that uh, you know mission mission focus is you know we're talking about we're talking about going right. We're we're like we're wanting to encourage people to consider, like, is this what God has for me? And because of that, it, man, it, missions looks pretty awesome. But the reality is, uh, it's a difficult work. You know, he's in London, which is a hard field. And, and we see, you know, like, uh, the, the daily, you know, impact of a man who, you know, uh, I was in the mission prep uh, outbreak, the, the breakout uh, sessions, and they were talking about Jeff was talking about, uh, Bartel was talking about going as a single man. That's an, that's an easy thing to do. But then when you have your family and your kids that are being impacted by it, we need to be praying for our leaders. Um, that uh, God has called them to a hard work, and they are saying, uh, I'm not, I mean, that's what was so incredible about hearing his testimony. Brian would say, I'm not going to quit. He has to go to his wife as they're going through real persecution and saying, I can't, I can't quit. Um, we need to be lifting up our, our, our pastors and our leaders. Yes? Were you guys able to hear Martha? So she's talking about the, the, the morning sessions. Brandon, Briscoe, Dan Renaud are are sharing these practical tools of Bible study, uh, discovery Bible method, uh, ways to, to sit down with the lost and go from creation to Christ, uh, sharing with them what God's word says about their life, and um, to be able to, to receive those tools gives us, you know, a, a hoe or a plow or who made that joke? I, I made eye contact with you. <laughs> anyway, to, it gives us tools in the bean field that we're in, right? And so uh, if you missed that, uh, please uh, do yourself a favor uh, and, and check them out. I love you guys. I'm so uh, excited about the trajectory of where God has life fellowship for 2021. Uh, God is doing a work in this fellowship, and I I want to uh, to encourage you to to prayerfully consider where God has you in this field. Right. Let me pray for us, and we'll we'll go to main service. You got something, Kenny? So. Yeah, if you if if you're concerned about the steps being slippery, we can go out the front and we can walk around. We can do that as a group too, if we want. But you'll just go down to uh, 39th, uh, 40th Street and take a left. Yeah. All right, Father, we come before you, God, and uh, I'm just so grateful. I can't even, um, I can't even wrap my mind around all of uh, the the biblical truths that you gave us this week. And uh, Lord, I I do pray, God, that you would uh, just uh, alive in us, God. That you would uh, awaken us, Lord. That that this wouldn't fall to the ground. That we wouldn't uh, waste our life. You know uh, that we wouldn't, um, you know, hear these things and walk away and forget what we heard. But Lord, that uh, we would we would revisit what you've shown us, Lord. That we would that we would fight to find ways for this to manifest in our life, Lord, because. God, we will stand before you, Lord, and and we want that to be a joyous day, and we want to be surrounded by people, God, that you've placed in our path, Lord, that we could share uh, the unbelievable love and sacrifice that you've made for us and for them, Lord. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen.